Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. This week, we're sitting down. We're chatting with Derek Hoot. Uh, when Derek was six years old, he became a right leg amputee. Um, and then when he was in seventh grade, he discovered a sport that completely changed his life. Uh, he discovered wheelchair basketball um, in Madison, Wisconsin, and began playing for them. Uh, went to college, became a college athlete. Uh, playing for Illinois, and then traveled all around the world uh, with an international team in Hamburg, Germany. Uh, this episode is super cool. Like I, before being introduced to Derek, uh, I really hadn't seen any wheelchair basketball. Uh, looked up, watched a few games, and I have to say, it is. It looks like an incredible sport, like an incredible way to go about competition. Uh, it looks rough, like they're, like people are running into each other, bashing each other. Um, so it's like, it's basketball, but it's a contact sport version of basketball, which is really, really cool. Um, I think in this episode, we talk about so many, so many different things, so many things I'm excited about. Um, one, we just learned about wheelchair basketball. Uh, Derek kind of informs us, he's the host of a podcast, uh, called Push Podcast, Wheelchair Basketball in the United States. Uh, so he kind of just informs us about the sport, you know, what it's about, what are some of the rules, um, and things like that. But then we also dive into his story. Um, I really think it's interesting, like, when you, when you take that leap and you do something that is uncomfortable. And when Derek first started playing, like, not really knowing what the result of his choice to to give it a shot was going to be. And I just think that's that moment, right? Like that brave moment, you're just, you know, getting into something new or you're trying something new. You're stepping outside your comfort zone. And, and based off that, like the kind of direction his life took, he became a collegiate athlete. Um, and you'll hear about that here. We hear about some training, uh, that he does and like what he misses about, you know, the college days. Um, and then from there we get in, he's a, he's a coach now. He coaches a team and kind of get into, uh, some leadership principles there. So, uh, this is an awesome episode guys. Um, so let's just dive right in. Uh, this is like a Bigfoot podcast number 271 with Derek Hoot. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this week, uh, I'm super excited. I'm sitting down talking with Derek Hoot. Um, I was introduced to you through our mutual friend, Brady Manriquez, and Brady was the first person I ever had on the podcast. So I'm super awesome. excited for this one. Yeah, Brady's, Brady's a great dude. He uh, is, I, man. Brady's my coworker. So um, he, he probably uh, realized that I don't, shut up about wheelchair basketball even at work and so he got tired of me using our, our work calls as as a way to talk about wheelchair basketball and basically referred me to you chris he's like my friend chris has an adventure adventure sports podcast you should talk to him and so i was like yeah great that'd be awesome dude i'm in man i'm in to like hear all about it i i don't know much about the sport like just right off the bat uh i yeah. watched a little bit of it over the last few days and it looks awesome like i i really enjoyed watching it um and i was watching like the the olympics 
yeah. like the pro pro, you know, like the best of the best, which was so cool. Um, but yeah, man, let's, I guess, can we kind of get into it? Like, how did you get, like, why is this a passion of yours? Like, how did you get into it? Yeah. So I became an amputee when I was six. So my leg stopped growing when I was six because of circulation issues. Um, and then I, from that, that point forward, I used a prosthetic leg and I didn't know that I was eligible to play wheelchair sports actually because I was like, I walk around, I yeah, can, yeah. you know, play pickup basketball with my friends. So why do I need to play wheelchair basketball? And obviously when you get a little older, you start to realize, okay, a, a kid with a prosthetic leg isn't going to start on his probably middle school, but definitely not his high school basketball team. And so you start to realize as that gap widens further and further that there are other avenues um, for anybody with a, a physical disability to, to take. And um, I was approached when I was about 13 years old uh, by a guy named Luke Russell, uh, who, who played with me for five years uh, in what's called the junior division. And he said, you need to come check out this team. It's called the Mad City Badgers. And this was in Madison, Wisconsin, where I grew up. Um, we're mostly people with spina bifida and, and spina bifida is um, essentially a, a congenital defect at birth where you have fluid in your spine and, and you're paralyzed. And so uh, Luke was like, we have a bunch of kids with spina bifida and uh, we need an amputee on our team who is more functional, uh, generally faster, stronger, taller, so that we can fill out this roster. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll check it out. I was a little hesitant at first, um, but as, as time went on, I, was, I got more and more curious and I showed up to a Mad City Badgers practice. And from that point forward, I was like, okay, wow, this is competitive. Yeah. Banging around in chairs. Uh, these guys can shoot, they're fast. And uh, I, from that point forward, I was like, put me in a chair. So they got me a loner chair. Um, Amy Spangler, one of the, the Med City coaches, got me a loner chair. And she actually just uh, helped coach uh, or assistant coach the women's USA team to bronze in Tokyo. So she wow. is a super talented coach. Um, and then the coaches who, who succeeded her, um, Heidi and Melissa, got me all set up with the team. And, um, I played from when I was in eighth grade to my senior year of high school. Um, and it, it's similar to basketball, uh, in that it's 10 foot hoop, same court dimensions, blocks and charges are pretty much the same. Like you need in the same way that you need to stop your feet as a defender, you need to stop your chair as a defender in order yeah. to take I don't know how familiar you are with, with basketball rules, but yeah, that's how you similar principle of taking a charge. Dude, it looks like, it looks like really physical though. Like as I was watching it, I was like, Oh, yeah. this looks, this looks more physical than basketball. Well, yeah, it's in the same sense that, um, I guess it's different in able, we call it able-bodied basketball. <laughs> uh, so in the same sense that in able-bodied basketball, you can, kind of run through a player or yeah. run through a pick uh, or just go under or something like that. In wheelchair basketball, a chair can't go through a chair. 
Yeah. And so spacing is so much more important, but also you're, you're fully stopping a solid object with a solid object. And so that's why you see so much contact and it's still, it's still regulated by, by fouls, yeah. but um, it's definitely more of a contact sport than, than stand-up basketball. That's it. I mean, that was my first, like within like a minute of watching it, that was like, Whoa, this is totally like, you wouldn't consider basketball a contact sport, but wheelchair basketball is like, Whoa, this is like super contact. Yeah. And, and I think it's shocking for uh, people who aren't familiar with it or don't have a lot of friends in wheelchairs yeah. when they first watch it and they see guys like flying onto the floor and like rolling and they're like, yeah. Oh my God, is that guy? Okay. But it's kind of just the nature of the game where yeah. if you're going fast and somebody clips you, you're probably going to tumble. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's part of what makes it fun is that you're playing like a real competitive contact sport, which is something that kind of the, the mindset at least up until pretty recently has been, you need to protect your disabled kid at all costs. Yeah. <laughs> and when, when you actually get out there into organized sports, it kind of changes and you, you gain some confidence. Yeah. And you're probably like, no, I want to, I want to get into this. Like I like yeah. contact and all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. And, and sometimes it's hard to convince parents, um, you know, like I, I coached, uh, I helped coach the Mad City Badgers, the team that I was uh, a kid on. Um, I helped assistant coach their varsity team, which is ages probably 12 to 18, and then head coach their prep team, which is like 8 to 12. Yeah. Um, and it's sometimes tough to get parents to kind of switch that flip that switch and say okay I'm, I'm cool with my kid being involved in something a little more high speed a little more contact because up until then they've been potentially overly protective and, yeah um but once once they get there and realize that oh this is a social outlet for my kid who can meet other kids with disabilities and and relate to them and the parents can form a network themselves it becomes a really cool um place for them to to connect uh, oh, speaking of kids one second what's up buddy yeah, go for it is he playing outside we're just gonna ask him if he can play all right that's fine go for it <laughs> nice this is one of those parts where i'll either remember to edit or we'll yeah. totally forget hey keep it keep it human why not <laughs> um yeah man so you mentioned uh just when you first well first i have to just say this is every team in wisconsin named the badgers no so <laughs> no that's a good question nope they uh i don't know how how they got started so the first um the first name for that team was actually the mad city bombers okay and I think after 2001, that changed. They're like, let's change it. Badgers yeah. sounds close. Badgers is close. Same syllable. Starts with a B. And we're in Madison. So it's, oh, it's the home of the Badgers. Of course. It's kind yeah. of a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm actually not sure how they settled on the Bombers at first. Yeah. Maybe they just wanted to sound badass. but it's, It does sound kind of yeah. badass. No, yeah. <laughs> um, you mentioned like at first kind of being hesitant. And I always like to kind of talk to people like it's so scary when you're trying something new 
Like it's nerve wracking. And especially as you get older, it's harder and harder to do something new. Like you just get so used to your own comfort zone. What was it that ultimately like made you decide to try to do this? It was really just seeing guys like, uh, I mean, Luke, who, who recruited me. And then there was another kid, uh, Tyler Halitech, and they were just both super fast. They could, they could shoot really well for, for juniors players. And so seeing them in action at, at a tournament and seeing what could be achieved, I guess, uh, on a wheelchair basketball court was really cool to me. And then I was, uh, I was a, amputee so I was one of the bigger players kind of played a center position at that age and so I got to see um some quote-unquote big players at these regional tournaments um because we were in the northern conference which is like upper midwest and yeah and seeing how those guys played was uh really eye-opening to me on on what you could do if you had some some size on the court and wheelchair basketball is kind of a unique sport. I guess all para sports are like this, but it's unique in that there's a classification system. So essentially what that means is, um, let's say you're paralyzed from your sternum down. Okay. So pretty much the highest level of disability you can have and still shoot a basketball, you would be a class 1.0. Okay. Um, and let's say you are, there's another player who is a single leg below the knee amputee they would be the lowest level of disability and not be able-bodied and they would be a class 4.5. Okay. And so there's eight classes from 1.0 to 4.5 going up by half points. And in a five person lineup, you can't exceed 14 points. Oh, okay. So you can have people of every like classification there, but they're going to add those points up. Yep. So you can't play five amputees against five spinal cord injury. Gotcha. Because that would be brutal. Yeah. But you could play like a four, five, three, five, two, five, two, oh, one, oh. Yeah. You'd be like a solid mix of ability. And in that way, wheelchair basketball positions kind of write themselves. Um, because the four fives are generally your centers or your small forwards, and then you have these little guys who, you know, because they're paraplegic, they're probably like a hundred pounds. Yeah. And so you have these little speedy guys who shoot from the outside. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's really interesting in that way, but it also makes it competitive within classifications because if I want to start on a team, that means I need to be either the best four or five on the team or the second best four or five on the team. Otherwise I'm not going to play. That makes sense. Yeah, man. Cause uh, yeah, it's just like, you're getting beat out at the positions that you're going. Exactly. For. Oh, man, so when I went yeah. to the university of Illinois, for example, I played behind one of the best four fives um, in the college division, Nick Gonchin and Nick Gonchin plays for team Canada um, and just played for them in Tokyo. And so that's cool. That was, that was a, good learning experience for me yeah man Uh, and and really fun so taking it into college like what's like how like so I played rugby in college right and Mm -hmm. it was a club team and we practiced and and had tournaments and stuff but it wasn't like if you were to play like 
college football or something where it's like, that's your whole entire life. Where does the, where does wheelchair basketball for you during college, like fall on that spectrum? Is it, is it something you're doing every single day and training for, or is it, you know, like a club sport or where's it at? So every day, uh, it was, it was a big part of my life. I, I was a student athlete. Um, we practiced every weekday at six 30 in the morning because everybody else has signed up for the gym at every other time. And we didn't have, we didn't have our own gym. And so we would go in and it, I mean, we'd wake up, it's dark, we'd go in and we'd play basketball for two hours. And, uh, Tuesdays was chair skills, which means you're working on agility trainings, conditioning. And then Thursdays is ramps, which was, I'll say fun in quotes. Uh, basically, there's, it was type two fun. The fun yeah, type two fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's uh, a Memorial Stadium in Champaign is where the football team plays. Yeah. And there's concrete ramps that go up the side of the stadium. And so we would get to push up those ramps. Dude, uh, dude that sounds rough, man. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was kind of the lifestyle for four years and, and weekends we get off, but, you know, starting in October and November, those that's tournament weekends. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, we travel around to the other basketball schools who are hosting. Unless we have a home tournament. Yeah. Um, and there's about, I want to say, it used to be 10. Now, I think it's 12 plus schools who do wheelchair basketball. So University of Illinois, University of Missouri, Mizzou, uh, Bama, Auburn, um, Arizona State, now Florida, um, now SUNY, Eastern Washington. And so there's like, it's a total mix of... Yeah school sizes and divisions. And that's part of the reason why it's not NCAA uh, approved or sponsored. Yeah. We're not in the fold. Yeah. Where did you go to Illinois specifically for this? Um, A a big part of why I went to Illinois was for basketball. They were able to to help me out a little bit financially. Um, It was, yeah, I mean, I went to basketball camps during the summer um, called, they used to have this camp called Elite Camp, um, which is where they would invite 25 athletes from around the United States or the world to just come together and compete against each other. But it was also kind of a recruiting ploy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> um, whenever you got that letter, it was, it was, an honor. Um, and the coach at that time was, was Michael Frogley, who was the head coach of team Canada for a long time. And so I went, uh, a few summers in, in high school and I got to meet a lot of my future teammates who were either counselors or campers at the time. Yeah. And just from being there and, uh, like hanging out in the dorms at Illinois, seeing the campus every summer in high school, that was kind of the the draw for me, it, it pretty much felt like, like home at that point yeah. by the time I had to make my decision. That's amazing, man. I, th- I know. So just the part of being on a team, especially for like, I don't know, for when, for me as on a team, it was always this, 
uh, it's hard to explain, but like, it's like these other guys like got you back, no matter what you're a team, yeah. you've been through a lot. You've been through going up the, the ramps at, at the stadium and the early morning practices and all that. And sometimes like in the moment, those it's hard and it's rough. And you're like, what are we doing? Like, why are we doing this? But looking back now, you, it's like almost an experience that is hard to reenact as like an adult. You know what I mean? Yeah. How do you, yeah. Are you able to kind of like find that like same community aspect or, or not? Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, like my Illinois teammates are like brothers for life. Yeah. Um, we like, we went through four years of, of practice and games and ramps and all that together. <laughs> So like you said, like it's a, it's, it's a brotherhood type thing. Um, and we still keep in touch, whether it's through group chats or fantasy yeah. football or whatever. <laughs> um, but I, I will say the, the community that wheelchair basketball offers is worldwide. Um, I took a fifth year after uh, my senior year of college and, and I went and studied Arabic in, in Amman, Jordan. And there was a wheelchair basketball team there. No way. I, I oh, that's played, so cool. I played for a club team in Amman called Ajiel uh, Avad, which means Generations of Tomorrow. And they were, they were super into it. They hosted a, a tournament called the, the West Asia Para Cup. And so we played teams from Oman. We played teams from uh, Palestine. Um we played teams from Kuwait. And so it was really cool to like, and, and I will admit, I did not always know hundred percent what was going on because even <laughs> though I had studied Arabic, you know, you think, you think you've studied Arabic until you're on a basketball court. And then, uh, yeah. But it, it was, it was a really cool community there. And um, it was fun to get to, to play with some of those guys. And, and it's, it's great to see, um them trying to keep building up that program so the the coach and he's actually a player coach and i want to say he's in like his his 40s or 50s and he's a a player coach there but he also basically represents their program at meetings for like ngos who support like jordanian disabled sports wow. and he also like fosters relationships with uh, community representatives so that they can get funding. So he does it all. <laughs> That's amazing. You know, uh, his name is Mohammed Al-Khazale uh, or Abu Omar. So in, in Jordan, if you, if you have a son or, or, or multiple, your, your name becomes father of that son's name. So oh, no way. Okay. his name is Omar. And so, he once he had a son, he went from Muhammad to basically everybody calls him Abu Omar. Yeah, um, which is cool. That's cool, man. Can you kind of speak? Yeah. Can you speak to the idea of like you're out there and it's you know it's obviously like you're across cultures and all this stuff, and yet you're playing a sport and you're on a team and you're working together for a common goal. Like, how does sports like? bond us together even if your teammates are from you know different cultures or all over yeah. the place i think so much because um you know as soon as i 
I had definitely been feeling a little bit of culture shock when I first came to Jordan and um, it was kind of like a little bit solitary and I, and I have been getting used to kind of not being a student athlete yeah. in, in this new environment where I don't have 22 of my best friends to hang out with all the time. Um, and on top of that, I'm abroad for the longest time I've ever been. And so when I found out that there was a team, I was super excited and I get to this like recreation center where they have a gym and they have a weight room and they have a track because all of their pair of sports uh, practice there. And I meet these guys. And but I mean, first of all, it was a little it, it, I will say there was still some culture shock involved because <laughs> yeah, I show up an hour before practice and everybody's like drinking Turkish coffee and smoking cigarettes. <laughs> this, is not, this is not what we'd be doing in, uh, in Wisconsin. But um, as soon as I got to know them, it, it was kind of this understanding that, I mean, not only are you a basketball player, but you have a disability. And so like the middle of that Venn diagram is so small yeah. that it, it becomes uh, almost an instant community. Yeah. You like instantly have commonality with somebody. Yeah. Yeah. It's such, it's such a small bubble. And I just think about like, so after Jordan, I went and I played um, professionally in, in Hamburg, Germany, and we had teammates from everywhere. We had uh, members of team Japan, Rio Fujimoto, members of team Israel, um, Asa Shabo and members of team Iran. And, uh, and that's, Ali Ahmadi. And so it was cool for me to see members of, for example, so like Ali from Iran and Asa from Israel were like best friends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and you don't really think about politics anymore when you're, when you're playing basketball and, and it kind of brought together people who normally would be taught to hate each other or would normally never even set foot on a court with each other. Um, but now we're in the action together, making buckets together, beating other teams in the German league together. And so that, that really just kind of, to me, sums up how, how the sport brings people together across national lines or political lines. Yeah. I think like too, like, it's this, it's, I think sports are at times like this way to form empathy, really. I mean, like you just said, you aren't thinking about politics at that point. You're just, you have this common goal and you kind of see somebody for just like their basic human needs. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, dude, I think that's so cool, man. That's so cool. So what else, like with that experience of bringing everybody together to play, like what else kind of sticks out to you? Um, I mean, I guess something that I've been plugged or trying to get plugged into recently is this really cool program. Um, and it's, it's done through the international committee of the red cross and they do this, this project called the physical rehabilitation program where they go to countries around the world, um, could be developing countries, could be in conflict zones and, they go and they put up like a three day or five day 
uh, wheelchair basketball camp and they get guys in chairs or, or women in chairs and, and they start running a program. Um, and now they're actually doing virtual support um, since COVID. So they've been yeah. able to kind of sustain that uh, throughout the pandemic. And that's something that to me, and, and until recently I've gotten in touch with, with uh, coach Joe Higgins, who's with team Canada, who's been helping run it and just marked uh, who works for the ICRC and helps run it. But um, just seeing the work that they've been able to do um, over the past seven plus years, they've taken teams that, you know, people who haven't even played organized sports before, and they've had them competing and winning in international tournaments. And so it's really cool to see. Um, and I think one of the, the most shining examples of that is they uh, had created a men's team in Afghanistan and a women's team in Afghanistan. And they were able to, to win a tournament in, in Lebanon a couple of years back. And so that was just like, really cool for me yeah. to see from the outside like how they basically took took it from ground zero um and basically taught folks how to how to win yeah well i never thought about that but you just mentioned it it's the idea of like a lot of people when they first start playing may not have ever played organized sports before mm-hmm. and that is so true. Like, what do you find? Like, cause you said you've coached as well. Yeah. Like, what do you find comes out of these players when, when it's their first time, you know, playing a team sport? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm kind of going through that right now because I, you, you know, like I said, I just moved to Virginia Yeah, and we have a prep team here and, and prep is like ages six to 12. So it's like the really little, little kids. And a lot of them, you put them in program chairs and they can't even fit in the chair. So So they're kind of pushing like this, but uh, the, the experience I'm having right now with them is that for the past like season or even two seasons at this point, they've been, um, you know, doing drills. Yeah. And so they've been, you know, pushing around, doing agility stuff, working with cones, uh, dribbling, but they haven't been doing, they haven't been able to scrimmage because of strict protocols. And so a lot of these kids, they want to, uh, they want to play tag or they want to like push around in their chair, but I don't know if they've, um, you know, conceptualized that we're, playing basketball in a month you know so it's 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 cool to you know start from that start from that really raw ground zero level with a player and and introduce these basketball concepts but it's such a unique situation because you've been going to basketball practice for a year but you haven't really been able to play a five-on-five scrimmage yeah so it's, it's this post pandemic, like, and not that we're post at all, but it's, yeah. it's this kind of, we're in a more relaxed stage where, okay, now let's introduce the concept of basketball. Let's play two on two on an eight foot hoop and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. What's it, what's it like? Like what, <laughs> when you put them out there for the first time, is it pure chaos or what? 
We're literally going to find out a week from tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait. No, these kids are awesome. Like they're really funny. They're really energetic to the point where like, I need to focus that energy in a certain direction. (laughs) Otherwise it's all going to fall apart. Um, But that's, that's kind of the job of the coach, right? I think that's working with kids. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's just working with kids. I mean, you get it. You're a teacher. (laughs) Yeah, dude. That's the hardest job, man. Hey, focus your energy and we can do awesome. Right. But no, I love the idea of like, I don't know. I'm just like, people like being active, you know? Mm -hmm. And once you allow them the opportunity to be active, especially in, um, in like an organized way, there's so much that can just come out of it. You know, there's so much that is beneficial to their lives and, and beneficial to like just their way, like their perception of the world, I guess. Yeah, no, it's, it's such a tough balance because I do want to let them loose and let them (laughs) let all their energy out. Um, And sometimes I feel like, okay, I can't take an eight-year-old through 20 minutes of a defensive drill. It's just not going to happen. Not going to (laughs) happen. So there needs to be a point where I, I let go of my expectations and say, okay, you got it. Like, I want to, I got to let you guys do your thing. Yeah. So they can have fun and find the passion in it. Exactly. Yeah. If they can't play freeze tag at the end of practice, they're not going to want to come. <laughs> That's on their shirt. They have that. If I can't play freeze tag, I'm not coming anymore. I don't know. No, I mean, I, I'll, I'll say it like at the end of this last practice, I, uh, I let them play freeze tag, but then apparently it didn't end in their head once, once practice ended and we like got in the huddle because I went to high five this kid and he literally sat like this until his mom pulled him away. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, sorry, I was trying to give him a high five. I didn't mean to yeah. freeze him. No, I, I had to unfreeze him. I had to <laughs> high five him a second time. Otherwise, he wasn't going to go home. Dude, I love that, man. When did you start coaching? I started two years ago. Okay. Um, so I, uh, after I went back from Germany after a season, um, I started working back in Madison. And that's when I started coaching. And I also joined a a division two team called the Wisconsin Thunder. Um, And I'm, I was about to say for those of you who don't know, but nobody knows. So (laughs) in the NWBA or the National Wheelchair Basketball Association, which is the organization in the United States that just umbrella all things wheelchair basketball. Yeah. um, For men's or adult divisions there's d1 which is like former paralympians former college athletes there's d2 which is like a handful of college athletes and also um people who are newer to the sport and there's d3 which is like all super raw super new to the sport newly injured older that sort of thing yeah um and so i joined a d2 team um called the wisconsin thunder when i when i started coaching that's awesome, man. What would you all, oh, so I guess, how did, how did being a coach two years in now, mm-hmm. like, has it recontextualized your experience as a player? Like, 1, do you look 1, back 000%. at it? Yeah. And you're like, whoa, that was that's 1000%. So- yeah. it, it made me like, uh, kind of aware of how tough I probably was to coach. <laughs> as a as a junior and a college athlete i was like wow i now i feel bad for 
all these people that I put that through because yeah. Um, and it just gives you a totally different perspective on the yeah. game. Like watching the game from the outside, I get like, I get really frustrated uh, at times, but then I'm also like, wow, that's stuff that I definitely have done. And now I need to think about how I correct that. Yeah. Um, and so see, seeing how, you know, a pick or a seal or setting up for a shot or an inbounds play is executed from the outside it it makes you you're able to when you're back on the court as a player you can kind of be above yourself and say here's what i would want to see my point guard do in this position or here's what i would want to see my small forward do in this position and then you can go and execute that yeah yeah Um, man you have a it's a weird experience probably being a coach and having that perspective but then also mm -hmm. still playing yeah and and the thing about wheelchair basketball is a lot of people do that. Yeah. There's a lot of players on D2 or D1 teams who coach youth, and I, which I think is really awesome because um, you can finally start to give back a little bit of what you were given Yeah, uh, because, you know, a lot of players in wheelchair basketball get help, you know, to get their chairs and, almost all of our coaches and managers and assistants are volunteers um, because there's no like professional system in the U S yeah. Yeah. Dude, that's, oh man. I've, so I want to ask you a little bit about like, what do you think? So, you know, you have all this experience now and I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like, would that, would you say that experience like kind of shifted your life and like, you know, what you've learned and your mindset and all that stuff. Like the, the broader experiences, just broader, like you were introduced to this sport and now all of a sudden you went this way instead of that way. Yeah. Oh, a a thousand percent because I don't, I don't know if I would have gone to the same school. (laughs) I don't (laughs) don't think I would have gone to the same, the same university. Yeah. So I wouldn't have met the same people. I, I, don't know if my major would have been the same. I don't know. Like I wouldn't have traveled to all these places. Uh, yeah, it totally changed my life for the better. Yeah. So um, what would you, what would you tell someone who, you know, you just said division three is like for people who are not experienced, um, mm-hmm. but they're looking to get into it. And yeah. like we mentioned at the start, like as you get, for whatever reason, as you get older, it seems like you're less open to new experiences like you get in your comfort zone you don't want to do something that is just completely outside of what you're used to what would you tell someone who's looking to get into this who may not you know be fully ready to like just fully jump in i think that's that's what d3 is for yeah i think uh, yeah i think d3 would be a perfect experience for them because they would be competing at the the appropriate level um, I don't think it would be as overwhelming as joining a D2 team. Yeah. Um, and you would get to meet a lot of people who are brand new to the sport and or, or newly injured or have the same, they're, they're at the same place uh, in terms of disability as you probably in terms of like processing it as a life yeah. event, which is really important, I think, to have that. Like it's basically a, a built-in support group in addition to, um, sport. And I also think in terms of rehabbing, it's one of the best things you can do 
Um, I've met people who said, you know, I was injured for two years before I found wheelchair basketball. And I thought I was fully recovered until I started playing and realized, wow, there's so much function that I can regain by, you know, strengthening, strengthening these different muscle groups, uh, getting more flexible, getting faster and stronger. Um, and so they basically discovered, like, I thought I was at a hundred percent, yeah, but I was really at 50 and wheelchair basketball took me to that a hundred percent physically. That's cool. And they would maybe have never known without actually mm-hmm. like giving it a shot. Exactly. Dude, that's so cool. So where would people go to like find information about it? Uh, you can go to nwba.org. Um, but honestly, you can email me yeah. <laughs> at, at derek.hoot550 at gmail.com. Um, I, I can get you plugged in to your, to your local team. But if you go to nwba.org, they, they will have a list of uh, local teams from all three adult divisions. Yeah. And you would be able to um, zero in on, on where that first practice would be. That's cool, man. Dude, that's so cool. I I did want to ask you a little bit about like, what do you think we gain from like healthy competition? Mm-hmm. Because I feel like competition is kind of like this human, like, it's just part of being a human, like you compete. Yeah. That's part of it. I don't know what to tell you. But I feel like when you are able to compete in like a healthy way, like through sports of some sort, um, you're able to kind of like work that side of your humanity versus Mm -hmm. doing it in an unhealthy way where now you're competing and it's just kind of turns into a mess. I'm just imagining like when people are online, just like doing the online stuff where they're being mean to each other and whatnot. I'm like, just go out and like play a sport and like get your competitions competitive side out that way. I mean, me and the guys have group chats too. So that happens. <laughs> <laughs> that turns we're, into we're all we're being online too, but uh only to each <laughs> other and that's that's healthy. That's but, healthy because uh, that's your that's your bo- like that's your friend. We know, you know each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, I think I, I think uh wheelchair basketball has been a, a great outlet for that. I mean, number one, just letting off steam in competition is great. But number two, I think because um you know, everybody on the team is disabled. You, nobody's walking on eggshells around you. So I think when, sometimes when I first meet somebody and they see that I'm an amputee, you know, they're nervous to bring it up. They're nervous to talk about it. They're nervous to even like joke around with me because they don't want to offend somebody um, with a disability. And I think when you're out on the court with a bunch of guys who are, could be less disabled than you could be more disabled than you. It's kind of like, there's no, there's no rules (laughs) and you can, uh, you're, you're not afraid of, of offending anybody's sensibilities. Um, and like, I think we've all had the experience or a lot of us have had the experience where somebody let us win and that doesn't feel good either. So I, 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 I like, I like when somebody, can destroy me and show me how to get better. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and that's, that's, that's an experience that until you're in the, the league meant for your disability, you're, you're not going to, to have that experience of people trying to, to make you better. 
through challenging you. Yeah. No, dude, that's, that's awesome, man. I, I did want to ask a little bit about your podcast too. So you have mm-hmm. a podcast called push. Um, can you kind of like, tell us like, what's it about? Like, what do you focus on? Who have you interviewed that kind of stuff? Yeah. So my, my podcast is called push podcast, wheelchair basketball in the United States. And, um, when I first named it, I did not realize how many podcasts would be called push, but now it makes sense. Uh, because you know, people use push as like a motivational, uh, like push yourself or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And for me, I was like, Oh, push it's, it's motivational, but also you push a wheelchair. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you need to, you need to search push wheelchair basketball podcast, but, uh, it kind of came out as, um, an idea that I had to number one, just personally to reconnect with a lot of the people that I've met over the years of playing. Um, and I also noticed even when I was playing on the professional level that despite how accomplished and amazingly athletically gifted my teammates were, they did not receive a ton of media attention. They did not receive a ton of public recognition for what they'd accomplished. And so I wanted to create my own little media outlet so that they could, um, you know, you not really brag about themselves, but give us, give us their stories and, and share the stories that they've accumulated over the years. Yeah. Um, and so I've had, uh, Trayvon Jennifer, who is a, a two-time gold medalist, two-time Paralympian, uh, Rio and Tokyo games. Um, I've had Rose Hollerman, who is a, a gold and bronze medalist, uh, who just competed at the Tokyo games for, for, uh, USA women. I've had, uh, Dylan Fishbach, who I played with actually in the junior division. Uh, he played for the Nebraska team and I played for the Wisconsin team. So we, we butted heads a lot, <laughs> but, uh, he's a great guy. And he actually is funny. So he played for kind of my rival team in in, uh, juniors. And then he played for Wisconsin whitewater in college who was kind of the rival college division team yeah um and so he he ended up winning a a college national championship and then went to um went over to germany recently to to play professionally um so the athletes i've met over the years and then also a, a couple college coaches so i interviewed my college coach matt bushy um who came in we came in as rookies together so he he replaced uh, Coach Mike Frogley from Wheelchair Basketball Canada as the head coach of the University of Illinois yeah. uh, back in 2013. And was and, he the one you were a pain in the ass for? Like exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. He, well, I want to hear that. Team. I want to hear that episode for sure. He he would come on and and tell you. <laughs> <laughs> dude that's yeah that's cool so what have you kind of learned or gained from starting the podcast either like you know about the sport or just about you know yourself and and you know i i just know i've learned a lot from doing this podcast yeah yeah so i'm curious about that kind of that we all like that we all started in the same place you know talking to paralympians about their their middle school careers yeah kind of puts thing in pers- things in perspective that 
we all start from somewhere and, and we all have goals that we want to accomplish and it's tough and we run into these challenges, but ultimately we work through them, uh, not only through our own efforts, but the engagement of our coaches and our families. And it's, it's really been cool to, to hear those stories of adversity and, and how they work through it and, and also how they were supported along the way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I read a book once called the adversity advantage. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was by this guy who lives out by me in Colorado named Eric. And he, I think he developed like, I can't remember what, what it was, but he basically went blind Mm -hmm. as he aged. So like, as he started getting into his teens, um, and then from there, he's become this like adventurer type guy he's done. He's climbed Mount Everest and all of this. Wow. And like he, he like paddled down the grand Canyon or kayaked it. Um, and I remember reading the book and I was like, yes, like so many times we shy away from adversity in our lives because it's hard. And mm-hmm. yet some of the most important lessons that you learn is through facing these hard challenges and coming through the other side. And ultimately, mm-hmm. like, I just feel like you you're always going to come through the other side in some form or fashion, you know, and the lessons you learn along the way are so important. It's like, why kind of try to avoid this or deny this adversity that, that we face? Like, I just want to hear like, you're kind of, you know, do you have a reaction to like the idea of like adversity advantage? Yeah, I think, I think that's a huge theme in wheelchair basketball uh, because a lot of these athletes have been in, you know, life-threatening car accidents or they're cancer survivors, or they were, um, you know, injured in Iraq or Afghanistan. And so there's a lot of that mindset that it's like, if I can get through that, then I can beat you down the floor for a layup. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think that's, that's a huge theme throughout disabled sports that, you know, we were, we're kind of, uh, wired, you know, maybe not on purpose, but for survival mode. And so if, if we can get through whatever injured us in the first place, or even if we were born with a disability, then, um, we've been creatively solving problems for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, dude. That's awesome, man. Derek, you're awesome. Where can people kind of like follow along the journey? Yeah. So they could follow, uh, the, the push podcast on at the underscore push underscore podcast on Instagram. Okay. Um, you can also just search, uh, push podcast, wheelchair basketball on Apple podcasts or Spotify. That's awesome. Can you talk smack about Brady Manriquez really quick, just for my own? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. When did you meet Brady? I got to know. I met Brady. um, So I'll say this. I've never I've never met Brady or any of my coworkers in person. I've been working remote the The whole time time. and he my hiring date until now. Yeah. And he moved Um, to Des Moines now. So exactly. And so I, I met Brady about a year ago. Exactly. Actually, I was, I was hired, uh, September 14th. So, okay. Of of last year. So I've known Brady for a year. Um, I don't have, I don't have a lot of bad things to say about Brady. I just, 
I hope he doesn't shave his beard again. <laughs> he grew but that I'm epic biased. beard. You have it. You also have a beard. Thank you. Yeah. So I, I'm biased. I like, I like the beard. I'm jealous of anyone. Like I can't grow it right here. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I get patchy up here too. It's okay. You just got to embrace it. You got to embrace it. Middle schoolers. Are you scared of what, uh, are you scared of what the middle schoolers will say? Man, middle schoolers. Like, I think I heard a comedian say it once. They're like, they'll insult you accurately. Like yeah. they're, they don't have the filter and they're, they're smart enough to know what will get you. <laughs> exactly. No, they're, they're very mean, especially like, I feel like they've gotten even more savage since TikTok. TikTok, man, dude, don't even, we've had a week, man, with TikTok. TikTok's lose, made it a week. Some, did you lose some water fountains? We or? lose, we lost some stuff. We've started having to lock our classrooms, which which is a huge bummer. I'm like, oh my gosh, TikTok, what are we doing, guys? What are we doing? Yeah. But yeah, man, it's just, it is what they'll figure it out. I'm the next TikTok challenge is going to be, be uh, super nice and bring your teacher coffee. I'm going to start I'm, it. I'm convinced. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, that'll do it. But awesome, Derek. Well, it was awesome talking with you. I would love to, to chat with you again sometime. And yeah. Yeah, man. I, I keep meaning to go back to Virginia. So if we're in Richmond, I'll let you know. I'm hanging. All right. That wraps up this week's episode. Derek, thank you so much for coming on, man. Uh, go and check out his podcast. That's push podcast wheelchair basketball in the United States. Um, he is obviously like extremely passionate about the sport, spreading the word about it, getting more and more people involved, which is really cool and really honorable. I think um, that's something you could tell just from talking with him. Like he is, he loves this thing. Like that's something that's like a life passion that he has is wheelchair basketball. And I think he sees the power that it can have and, you know, kind of like some opportunities that can bring to people's lives that they might not know were there. So, um, definitely check that out. Uh, go watch a game. They're, they're awesome. It was, it's super fun. Me and my daughters turned it on. We watched, we watched a game a couple nights ago and they loved it. Thought it was, thought it was super cool. So, um, but yeah, that wraps up the show this week. Uh, thank you guys for listening. I hope you are out there. I hope you're finding whatever your passions are. Um, and I kind of realized this, like as this last, you know, <laughs> ever since school started, man, it's felt like a whirlwind uh, in my neck of the woods, like nonstop, go, 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 go. Um, there hasn't been many moments to like, just sit down and like collect my thoughts. And, and that's why I actually have enjoyed, I've really enjoyed doing the podcast because it gives me that time to kind of like think things through. And sometimes I'm thinking things through while I'm talking through an outro. Um, and you know, I totally understand if people don't listen to this part of the podcast, I totally get it. <laughs> um, but it's good for me and it's good for me to just kind of like get my thoughts out there um, for the week. It's just been really, really, really crazy nonstop. And I think part of it is the rebound from the last year and a half where there wasn't as many things going on or, you know, uh, you know, my school was not relatively normal we didn't have a normal schedule or anything like that and now we're kind of back in it and you kind of look and you're like man is this go 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 like non-stop mentality is that like 
a healthy way to go about your day or like a healthy way to live your life. And I don't know. Cause I'm like, I'm all about the idea of balance, right? Like you have to have things going on. You have to have goals that you're working towards, but at the same time, you also need to be able to kind of like let some of that stuff go sometimes and like take a breath and sit out by a lake and just, just be there, you know, like stop thinking about like, for me, I'm like trying to stop thinking about the to-do list and the things to do. Um, and more like just enjoy being in that moment, whatever that moment is, you know, and it's a lot of times it's while doing things that are on the to to-do list. But when I'm doing those things, I want to actually be like fully present and fully aware. Um, and that's that's definitely helped kind of like keep the busyness in check and give myself that space and that opportunity um, to kind of like just let stress go for a bit. Um, but at the same time, I do think like working on a huge goal that you're working towards, whether that's that be physically or mentally or or whatever, what if, if it's just something you've always wanted to do, or if it's like a trip that you've always wanted to go on and you're spending time like planning it out, like that stuff's so huge. It gives you these things to look forward to in the future. It gives you things that you want to accomplish. Um, and for me, that's that brings me joy for my life. And then when you can include other people, like when Derek was talking about coaching or when he's like, trying to spread the word like this thing exists like you you can if you're someone who doesn't feel like there's many sport opportunities like if you're someone who is in a wheelchair and you're like I don't feel like there's a lot of athletic or competition opportunities for me he's out there spreading the word saying hey this is here for you and you're able to do this and give it a shot like just go and and try it try it out and you know I think when you're able to include other people in your big dreams or your your goals or your things you're working towards like it makes it that much more powerful so uh, that was cool that was a huge takeaway for me with this one so um thank you so much derek uh pleasure having you on would love to talk with you again sometime um for everyone out there listening i really appreciate you guys uh you supporting the show and, and all that. Like I know there's like a billion podcasts out there. I've listened to a whole bunch of them. I love podcasts. <laughs> um, but I know there's a lot out there and for you to choose to spend like an hour every, every week listening to this is like, it's, it's really, really cool. And it's something that I definitely, uh, do not take lightly. Like that's, that's pretty amazing. So, all right. Uh, we'll get back at you next week.